It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to a new podcast, The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello, everyone. On today's podcast, I'm delighted to welcome the general manager of the Trent Rockets, Mick Knoll. How are you today, Mick? Stephen, good to see you. I'm here from you. I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Well, I've just read that the 100 is 100 days from starting, and that's the reason of today's podcast, to talk about the 100 uh, the game itself, uh, the Trent Rockets team, and the impact of the competition on English cricket. But to start with, Mick, what's your role at the Trent Rockets? So as the director of cricket at Trent Bridge, which is one of the host venues, uh, I was asked to, I suppose general manager is a good good description of sort of overseeing the both teams initially, uh, both men and women's teams, trying to help pull the coaching staff together, uh, liaising with the coaches in terms of the players that we're going to sign. And then I think for the 35 days of the tournament is being the sort of link between Trent Bridge and the team to make sure the team have got everything they need to be as well prepared as they can be to compete in this new competition. So you'll be working quite closely with... Andy Flower and uh, Sally-Ann Beams is our women's coach. So yeah, I mean, I, I was sort of instrumental in, in, a, in um, appointing both of them because obviously we had Stephen Fleming initially for the men's comp, but due to the travel restrictions and the amount of time he'd have to be out of New Zealand... Uh, to do the tournament, he withdrew. We we approached Andy, who I know well from uh, working at ECB with him. Um, and with Sally-Ann, Sally-Ann was formerly coach at the Lightning, Loughborough Lightning, in the women's KSL, now works in Tasmania. Uh, and she's an East Midlands girl, level four qualified. So we, we thought that was a really good fit. And we look forward to getting Sally-Ann back over here in about, well, six weeks' time. That's a little bit longer. Oh, so there's some good connections there for you. And on the women front there, the first match of the tournament is a standalone women's game between the Oval Invincibles and the Manchester Originals on the 21st of July. That's a, a big boost for women's cricket. Yeah, I think the whole concept of the 100 is a big boost for women's cricket. I think the idea of, you know, Trent Rockets, for example, having a men and women's team playing on the same day, every game will be a double header at, at Trent Bridge or away from here. I think the prize money, from what I'm told, is the same for both competitions. And I think the TV exposure 
and media exposure in general will be great for the women's game. So you're, you're dead right to actually launch it with a standalone women's game is a, is a wonderful start. And I think we're all learning a bit more about women's cricket, those of us who haven't worked in it before. And it's, um, it's definitely a, a growth game and one I'm looking forward to working, working with Sally Ann and her team. Yeah, the first game at Trent Bridge on Saturday the 24th of July is a double header uh, when the Trent Rockets are playing the Southern Brave. I'm glad you remembered. Uh, yeah, so Southern Brave to start with, which is a Southampton-based team. So, yeah, I mean, as with everything at the moment, life is just a little bit up in the air. But, you know, obviously, we, I'm sure that game will take place. We just don't know yet what sort of crowd we'll be able to have. Uh, we don't know how many people will want to come and watch the 100. We hope a lot. Um, so really looking forward to a Saturday afternoon at Trent Bridge or a Saturday full day, really, for those two games. Yeah, do you know how ticket sales have been going so far? Our ticket sales are really good. I mean, Trent Bridge traditionally sells a lot of tickets for the, for the T20 Blast. I think outside of the two London venues, we are the, uh, the most populated uh, ground for domestic T20. Obviously, other clubs like you know Lancashire, Yorkshire, they have their moments when they, they play each other. But in general, I think ticket sales at Trent Bridge in the Blast are very good. And I would expect them to hold up very well in the 100 as well. I mean, you know, we put on a good show here as well as the match itself. And we think, we think we'll do really well with the 100. Well, let's move on to the game. A lot has been said about the game. What is different from the game to a T20 match? Yeah, a lot has been said, and I think probably too much has been made. But but in simple terms, it's 20 balls less. And basically, they've taken one ball off every traditional cricket over, which is six balls long. So we're now down to five balls. And also the idea of bowling two overs effectively from one end before the swapping of ends. So 10 balls can be bowled by one bowler or two separate bowlers from one end, and then we swap and go from the other end. And I think the reasons for this was to try and shorten the game in terms of time to make it more attractive to, to television. One of the real slow slowing down of a, of a T20 game or any game of cricket is the changing of ends. So we've reduced the, the amount of time that the umpires change, the players change positions. Um, and I, I think, you know, I don't think people will see a huge amount of difference from it, those who already come to T20 Blast. But, but obviously the little quirks have made quite, uh, quite a lot of noise about that. We've still got power plays, I understand. Yeah, 25-ball power play, uh, which, will, which will be at the start. So, again, I think that's, that's 25% of the innings, which is, which is plenty, if you like, with only two fielders outside. And, and I think the big thing is, or the biggest perhaps change, is the idea of one bowler bowling 10 balls in a row. That'll be a challenge for somebody, uh, whether that's at the start of the innings when you've only got two fielders out or at the end when you're being whacked out of the side. So it'll be interesting to see how many bowlers are put under the pressure of bowling effectively two overs in a row. Yeah, two overs at someone like, Ke- or 10 balls at Kieran Pollard or Nicholas Poran could be quite interesting. Could get very messy. And presumably a minimum of five bowlers. Uh, yeah, five bowlers, 20 balls a bowler, yeah. And you talked about time. Um, we've also got timeouts as well, uh, where the coaches, will they actually be going on the pitch? I wouldn't, yeah, I would have thought so. Uh, I think it's two, two minutes, is it, or two and a half minutes, something like that for a timeout. You've read the rules closer than I have. Um, so, yeah, I, I would expect somebody like Andy Flower or, or Sally Ann would, would use that time to go and talk to the captain just to any observations from the side. But ultimately, the captain in all of cricket that I've been involved with 40-odd years, as, as runs the game. So I don't expect the coach to dominate too much, but I think there is just that opportunity for the coach to go and pass on some ideas and the captain to feedback as well. And do you think the competition can ensure that, unlike a bit now with the um, IPL, we're not going to get four-hour 
matches, which is happening sometimes mm. now in IPL matches. I think this will be run, you know, T20 Blast, to be fair, has always run a pretty tight ship um, in terms of keeping two an hour and a quarter uh, per innings with a 15-minute break, you know, for TV purposes largely. I, I think the 100 will run an even tighter ship uh, to make sure that the game is done and dusted in two and a half hours, which is the whole purpose of a slightly different format to T20. So I, I don't think we'll be overrunning. I think, you know, the opportunity to be on terrestrial TV with the BBC is so huge uh, for the game of cricket that we want to make sure that we run the game in their tight schedules. So two and a half hours is, I think, the TV time timetable, I think, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So look, I mean, you know, the problem in this country could always be the weather. I'm sure they'll be coming up with new Duckworth-Lewis rules and shortened game. Um, you know, I think the shortest possible game may well be something like 20 balls, which to, to the Puritan is, uh, the, the purist is probably a horrific thought, a 20-ball game of cricket. But that's the way it's, it's gone now. I mean, hopefully we get a nice warm summer, we can get these games all played to the full. But I, I think it is important to fit it into that time slot for television. And we've got different start times as well. Um, yes, I think so. I mean, uh, the double headers at Nottingham, uh, if it's a day men's game, is around 2.30, I think, and the women are around 11, maybe 10.30. Um, if the men's game is an evening game, then the women will start at around 2.30, 3 o'clock. So, yeah, there needs to be a little gap between the two games, but not too long because we don't want people to get bored in that gap. So uh, it's going to be a, a challenge logistically for our people at Trent Bridge. It's all going to be, you know, we're not that used to having double headers here. We've had a little bit of that with Loughborough Lightning, but not a lot. Um, so that will be a challenge. And as I say, the great unknown at the moment is still crowds, what percentage of crowd and, and how that's all going to work. And as a competition, there's eight eight city-based teams in seven cities and each team's going to play each other once. That's correct, isn't it? Uh, you play your local rivals twice. Oh, so there's right. one local. So we play Birmingham Phoenix twice um, and the other six teams once, which is how you get to your eight games. In the men's, anyway. The women's, I think, yes, just play. Uh, no, the women must have changed it as well now. So, yeah, everybody's playing eight games um, and everybody plays their local rivals twice. And then the top uh, three go into playoffs, or I think the, the winning winning mm. team go into a final themselves. Yeah, the winning team goes straight to the final and second versus third playoff, which I think is quite a nice way of rewarding the team that wins the group stage uh, in that they don't have to play in that semi-final. I think that's something that I think, again, has come in through the IPL in terms of the way they structure their sort of after-group matches. And the final I read is on Saturday the 21st of August, well, the finals on Saturday yeah. the 21st of August at Lords. Is it Lords, is it? Yeah. I don't look that far ahead, Steve. <laughs> I just hope we're involved. Uh, so that would be fantastic. You know, if Trent Rockets made a, made the finals of either competition, we'd be very pleased with that. We, we look forward to seeing what the what that tournament can bring. And then turning just to the Trent Rockets uh, team, I know you've got mm-hmm. Joe Root in your side, but um, mm-hmm. how many overseas players have you got and who else is in your in your squad? So we have three overseas players, which is uh, Rashid Khan, who was the number one pick when this was all done back in October 2019 uh, in the draft pick. Uh, we have got Darcy Short, who's an Australian left-hand batsman, left-hand ring, uh, wrist spin bowler. And we've got Nathan Coulton-Isle, who's a seam bowler from, he was Western Australia. I think he plays in Melbourne now. Uh, T20 cricket and he's in the IPL so they were the three overseas players that Stephen Fleming chose in the draft other well-known English players Alex Hales is playing for the for the Trent Rockets our captain is Lewis Gregory who um, is uh, well-known now around the world for playing franchise tournaments as well as playing for Somerset and very and doing excellently for them 
and David Milan, who was, and I'm not sure if he still is, the number one rated batsman in T20 World International Cricket, and we were very lucky to pick him up. Um, and we've retained David uh, in our squad as well. And I notice you've got some local players, and I think Samit's playing, Alex Howes and Tom Moores. Did you choose mm. in the draft the local players on purpose? Yeah, Stephen Fleming, if you look at his selections in other teams that he's run, Melbourne Stars and Chennai Super Kings, there tends to be a bit of a theme where he does go for local players and he goes for quite mature, experienced teams. Um, so he does tend to go slightly older. Now, our team has slightly been restructured because there was a redraft and we lost a couple of players, Harry Gurney being one who also plays for Knotts, Luke Fletcher being another one. So our team has changed slightly. But yeah, there was a definite theme from Stephen when he first picked up the team uh, that he would go for experience uh, and he would go local if he thought that was the right thing to do. And hopefully that will give a bit more um, interest for you know local spectators as well to think they've got their own people from Knotts playing for the side. Yeah, I think so. Although, you know, there's very much a themed around trying to get people from Derbyshire, Leicestershire involved with with this as well. I mean, it's obviously a little bit further for them to travel, to come and watch. Well, we hope people will come from all around the East Midlands. Um, we were quite keen to get some Derbyshire players in and, and missed out on a couple who we thought we would be able to get in through the draft. Um, so it's not, it's what it's not, we don't want it to be is Nottingham in disguise, if you like. It's not Notts Outlaws in a different kit. Um, so there are a number of players, Ben Cox from Worcester, Luke Wright from Sussex, Luke Wood from Lancashire, Tim van der Gooten from Glamorgan, David Milan, as I've mentioned, and Lewis. So there's a number of players who aren't from this area. Uh, so it's not meant to be you know, Nottinghamshire in disguise, and I think we're very keen to, to make sure that's not the case. And on the women's side, you've got Catherine Brunt, England's opening bowler, Nat Siver, yeah. and also Sarah Glenn, the promising young leg spinner. Yeah. Yeah, and this is a this is a bit of a new world for me, learning more and more about, about women's cricket. But you know, Catherine Brunt, Natalie Siver, obviously, again, they live locally. They're Loughborough, Loughborough based. Those two, it's great to have them on board. I think they're two outstanding uh, women cricketers and ambassadors for the women's game. What they've done for England has been fantastic. Uh, our three overseas players, uh, Elise Villani, Sophie Molyneux, Annabelle Sutherland, all coming in from Australia. Sarah Glenn, as you mentioned, Catherine Bryce is a very good player. She's based at Loughborough, as a lot of our girls are. So the tie-in with the sort of lightning setup that's going on just down the road from us has allowed us to 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 get hold of some of the girls that play there, and hopefully they'd be influenced by the international quality cricketers as well. And will the men and women's teams mix? You know, COVID regulations allowed during the tournament. You know, talking about tactics and that sort of thing. Well, I think they'll all be staying in one hotel. So the, the, the opportunity to mix and to share ideas, I think, will, will definitely be there. I mean, I think, uh, again, COVID rules allowing, we, we, we will have a number of players who possibly won't use the, the hotel because if they're based in Nottingham or Loughborough, they might not want to stay. But yeah, no, there'll be a lot of mixing on training days, travelling days and, and game days. So I, I, I think that's part of it as well. And I know Sally Ann and Andy are very keen to work together and, and to develop a, you know, respect for each other's coaching in that way as well. I mean, the competition is going to be a, a data analyst, like being on Christmas Day with all the facts and figures. Uh, yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, we've got a full-time analyst at Trent Bridge who's going to be uh, seconded to the Trent Rockets for the 35 days of this tournament. I think that a lot, a lot of that, I think, comes down to the style of coaching. Uh, some coaches want a lot of stats, a lot of numbers, a lot of we call them matchups. So, how does a particular player do against a particular type of skill? How does Alex Hales play against left arm fast bowling, for example? So that you can match up your skills uh, to try and exploit other people's weaknesses. Uh, other people 
aren't, aren't so bothered about that sort of thing. So it'll depend on the what the coach wants really as to how much input the analyst has uh, on the tactics. I know our analyst would like to think he's going to have a, a, a lot of input. <laughs> and the actual tournament, there's lots of exciting players involved um, in the other teams with Glenn Maxwell, uh, David Warner, Kieran Pollard, uh, Marcus mm. Stoinis, and also um, on the women's side, Stephanie Taylor, uh, Sarah Taylor, Meg Lanning and Elise Perry. Yeah, I think it's attracted, you know, the best players in the in the world in a short format. You know, it, 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 that's what it aims to do. And I think that, you know, there's, there's it's definitely, people have got to give this a go. I mean, there's a lot of scepticism around it because these teams are not counties. They're not uh, the traditional county teams as we would know them. But I really think we need to give this competition a chance. It's going to be, in my opinion, the blast, but with better, even better players. So I think we need to see what that draws, what people uh, do want to come to the game. And the exposure that being on the BBC will give uh, will put cricket and cricketers back into a level that we haven't been for 20 years in terms of exposure to the public by having our game on national TV in that way. Yeah, we mustn't forget all the England World Cup winning players. We've got Josh Butler, Ben Stokes, Johnny Bairstow, uh, Joffre Archer also playing. Yeah, and you know some of them won't be available an awful lot because England are playing India in a Test match series through this time. But I think some of those people, you know, won't if they're not in the Test match side. I mean, Jason Roy, you did won't, won't be playing Test cricket. Johnny Bairstow may not be. So there's your opening pair for England's ODI side, who, who have done outstandingly well for the last two years. People like Sam Curran may be playing. Tom Curran will definitely be playing. So I think the quality of cricket, I have no doubt, the quality of cricket will be very, very high. And that's why I said to you, I would urge people to give it a chance. And let's see how, how it plays out. And you're hoping to attract a family audience to Trent Bridge as well? Yeah, I mean, we really push the family audience for T20 Blast. We don't go for the stag do's and the student nights out. We, we definitely push the family audience here. We want families to come. We want it to be a family-friendly atmosphere. That's why I think, you know, we're confident that we can run this or host this competition very well because it suits the style of what crowd and audience that we already think we've got for T20 Blast. So what we think we're providing is four more of those matches at, at Trent Bridge in addition to the seven Blast games. And, you know, at the end of COVID restrictions and perhaps if people can't get abroad, it might be the perfect summer to launch a new tournament if people are going to be spending more time in the UK than they might traditionally be during that school holiday period. And obviously it's important to attract a younger audience as well. Yeah, look, I mean, we all want people to love cricket. If those of us have been in cricket a long time, we want people to love cricket. If this is the format that gets people involved in the first instance, I, I don't want to be, we shouldn't be snobby about it. You know, we get a lot of, a hell of a lot of kids that come down here to watch T20 Blast and wear the wigs and get the pizza and wave the number four and six around and enjoy the music. And, and you know, the result of the game is important to some of us, but to some of us, it's not that important. The experience of being here is what's important. So, as I say, I think we're confident that we will attract a similar audience and perhaps an even newer one or an even younger one or broader one. And people who want to come down and watch some cricket and then go up, go out into town afterwards and maybe have a couple of drinks or go and have a picnic or go and have a meal, uh, it's part of the whole day out. And I think that's why, as I said to you, I, w- I would encourage everybody to give this competition a chance. We could perhaps do with the wigs, Mick. But, uh... <laughs> well, one of us could do with a haircut and it's not you. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got much to cut. And also, there's a, um, I believe there's a connection with the All-Stars and the Dynamos as well. Yes. Uh, Dynamos in particular, I think, is the new ECB um, cricket initiative for eight to 11 year olds following up on all stars, which is the five to eights. Uh, and it certainly was going to be heavily linked in last year 
in terms of a, a chance for kids who sign up for Dynamos maybe to come and meet some players from the Rockets or whichever team is their local team. And again, I think you know we want kids. I think it's I think it's it's likely that kids that play the game are more likely to watch the game. Uh, it's unlikely that, in my experience, that kids just watch. They want to play as well. So I think by linking in a, a, a spectator experience and watching the 100 to a playing experience by signing up for Dynamos or All-Stars or joining your local club, I think that's definitely the way you've got to link the two together. And how important do you think the tournament is for the future of the game in this country? I mean, especially financially after what's happened with COVID. Yeah, I mean, financially, it's hugely important. You know, it really is because the size of the television deal that was done with this tournament being a key part of it blew any other TV deal in cricket out of the water from what, what my limited knowledge is. So I think it's absolutely huge. The fact that we couldn't run it last year was, was obviously disappointing for, for everybody. Um, ECB will be very, very keen that we do run it this year, that it gets the exposure. Um, and, it, and it brings cricket into the living rooms of people who don't have you know, a Sky Dish or a Virgin box on their wall because they're watching it through the BBC. So I think that's really important. Um, and if, as I say, if it's a starting point for people to get into cricket, then we shouldn't be snobby about it. And if it leads into people coming to the Blast and then a 50-over match and then a Test match or a Championship match, that's absolutely fine fine to me. You know, this is it's all cricket. Uh, it's going to be played by some pretty spectacular players. And I think it's, it's going to bring people to Trent Bridge if we get a nice warm summer and we're allowed to have people in. Because we have had like World Cup wins for the women in 2017 and the men in 2019. So there is lots to build on to attract people to this great game of cricket. Yeah, there is. And as I say, there's cricket's different to, to football and rugby and it's got so many different uh, formats, you know, that, that people can come and watch. This is a new format. It's not that different to T20 Blast, but I think it will, it's being played by better players. You know, it's got the best county players, the best England players and the best international players. So eight teams rather than 18 would suggest it's going to be of a higher quality. I hope people come and enjoy it. And, you know, it's going to be a lot of runs scored. There's going to be a lot of noise made. I'm sure the ECB are going to be very, very keen to pump it up and make it make it as, as high a profile as they can. And as I say, grounds like here and, and the other seven major, major or biggest grounds in the country, you know, we're all going to be keen to put on a good show because we want this to work. Yeah, just finally, you said about the other grounds that we've got teams at uh, Southampton, the Oval, Lords, Headingley. Yeah. Old yeah. Trafford and, yeah. and Cardiff. And Birmingham. Did you say Birmingham? Birmingham. No, I didn't say Birmingham. Yeah, yeah so I mean, I, I think, you know, the eight grounds there that are, are, are able to cope with big crowds that, that hopefully will generate lots of interest. Uh, these games are going to, you know, as I say, they're going to be logistically uh, hard, hard to put on, double headers all the time uh, with restrictions that are on at the moment in terms of changing rooms and uh, eating rooms and, you know, all things like that that, it, that the general public perhaps might not know about. But we hope that there are lots of people in the ground to watch the game as well. Right. Well, thank you for that. We've got 100 days before, as we're recording now, for the 100 to start. And hopefully COVID apart, that will all be behind us. We'll have big crowds at the games and they'll be rocking at Trent Bridge, watching the Trent Rockets. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, we're, we're hopeful. We hope it's going to go really well and we hope big crowds are allowed in. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to The Paddock and The Pavilion. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and now on Instagram at The Pad and Pad. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do leave us a rating and review. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.